0: Hey, everybody, again, welcome to Fellowship of the Rockies, and I, I just got to tell you, it is, it is so good to worship with you online in the time and the circumstances in, in which we live, and, and so tonight and, and through the weekend and in this broadcast, I, I just want to talk to you about something that's been on my heart, and, and we're going we're gonna to move away from Made for More for a while, and, and I just want to talk to you in the season and the things that, that we're going through. It is so odd to me and maybe it's odd to you sitting in your homes and worshiping and, and I'm sitting in, a, in an empty worship center uh, with less than, than 10 uh, because we know where two or three are gathered, not more than 10, he is there also. And so this weekend we're, we're worshiping together uh, and we are, have been assembled all over southern Colorado as we minister and as we serve one another. And, and so I want to talk to you about this subject of I will fear no evil. So if you have your Bibles or your electronic devices you can click to, turn to, um, as you may have figured out, it's the 23rd Psalm, uh, Psalm 23, verse 4, I want to talk to you about this issue of fear. Because I hear a lot about fear these days. I hear a lot about fear and people describe it certain ways and different ways. And, and I don't know if you're like me, but I have noticed that if you're not careful, fear can be contagious. I mean, somebody else's fear can be contagious to like a group of people. Uh, Karen, uh, a couple of days ago, was in the, uh, in the grocery store. And she was talking with the manager, and the manager just said said, it, 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 "This is just so weird to me." She said, "The same people are coming in every day." She says, "I recognize them. I know many of them. The same people are coming in every day." They're like buying the same thing. She says these people are so panicked and they have so much fear. How can they ever need that much toilet paper? How can they ever need that much of whatever they're buying? And so if you've noticed, you can walk into a grocery store and all of a sudden the fear of everybody else, if you're not careful, can be a little bit contagious. One child in a family can have fear, and if you're not careful, it can be contagious throughout the whole family. Uh, Karen, uh, this last week, returned from Houston Uh, Texas, she was there with my mom, and she was taking care of my mom, and and so she was leaving my mom's house, and she called for an Uber, and so the Uber driver came and picked her up, and she got in the car, and they're headed to the airport, and so I don't know why the Uber driver said this, but he looked back at Karen and said, you know, last week I totaled my car. He says, I'm driving my daughter's car right now, and I have a little bit of fear driving it. Well, you know what in that car? Fear was contagious. There's a the story of this guy in, in Italy, and Italy is on, like, complete lockdown right now. And so he was wandering the streets, and so the, the police pulled up and said, uh, sir, you, you're supposed to be in quarantine. And he goes, well, I can't be in quarantine. And they go, well, do you have a home? Do you have an apartment, or are, are you homeless? And he says, he said, no, I have a home. And they go, well, you, you need to go back to your home. You need to be in quarantine, or we're going to have to arrest you. And he says, well, you don't understand. I, I can't go back to my home. And they go, you have to go back to your home. He says, no, I can't go back to my home because my wife is worse than the coronavirus. She's worse than that. And so if you're not careful, this issue of fear or the season that you're walking through, it can create problems in your family. It can create problems with you. And so Tonight, I want to talk to you about this issue of fear. We've been walking through a season, and, and we've been talking about that we've been made for more. We've been made for a deeper relationship with him. And, and when I look at this issue of fear, people are talking a lot about fear. Uh, and they're talking about my fear sometimes is ruling my faith, or my fear is like over my faith. And, and it's not faith versus fear, truly. It is this issue. It's learning to walk through faith through your fears, to walk through faith to where faith gives you confidence, even through your fears. It's In other words, it's your faith carrying you through fear. And so before I talk to you about this fear, those of you that have been with us and, and through this series, you know we've been talking a lot about um, uh, God is God and you are not. God is in control and you are not. And so I thought it would be great if we just, if we just took a, a little bit of a pledge together. And this is like all skate time. This is like audience participation time. And so why don't you put your right hand over, over your heart with me and why don't, you, why don't you recite after me as we all say this together. I, being of sound mind, do hereby acknowledge that I have not, nor have I ever, or will I ever, control the universe. Therefore, I resign as general manager of the universe. Don't you feel better already? See, he is God and you are not. He is in control and you are not. I mean, you go back to the book of Habakkuk, and Habakkuk was like a a prophet, and they were going through a national tragedy in their time, and Habakkuk kept asking this question. He asked the question of the Lord, just how long? It was, how long is this going to last? How long do we have to go through this? When is is this going to be over? Isn't that a lot of the questions we're asking now? Just how long? I mean, what is this cycle? What is this going to look like? What is the curve going to look like? Are we going to flatten out the curve? And Habakkuk asked that question, just how long? Just how long, God? And God looked at Habakkuk and said, Habakkuk, I'm about ready to do something. That even if I told you, it is so great, even if I told you, you would not believe me. See, God... God has a plan, and God knows what he's doing. And God has a, a plan, and he has a purpose behind his plan, even in times like these. And the, God, the hand of God is working perfectly in perfect timing. Even in the midst of our dark days, even in the midst of our dark valleys, God is here with us. So Psalm 23, verse 4. It's just one verse is all I'm going sp- to preach to you. And then at the end of this, I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the fellowship five, five things that I promise you. Five things that you can count on from me and our church. And then, and then I'm going to ask you for some things as well. And so, so let, let's look at this. Here, here's the verse, verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So I want to. I just want to talk to you about your fear. I want to talk to you about how do you handle the dark valleys of life. There's four things. The first one is this. You have to resolve to keep walking. You have to come to the place and say, you know what? I'm just going to keep walking. You have to make the decision. You have to resolve just to keep walking. Verse 4 again, he says, even though, here it is, even though I walk, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, in Israel, there, there's actually a place. There's actually a place. There's a real valley of the shadow of death. It's deep. It's deep. It's narrow. It's just like this narrow canyon. In fact, is the sun only hits the bottom of the canyon when the sun is like at, like at high noon. Any other time, there, there, there's all kinds of shadows in that canyon. The rest of the time, the bottom of that canyon, if you will, is dark, And David probably led his sheep through that canyon many, many different times from a child all the way through his life, and he was familiar with it. And maybe God brought that illustration, or maybe God brought that canyon back to him. And David said, I mean, I will walk. Isn't it true that a walk or walking is an indication of a relaxed life? An indication of a relaxed life, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstances. Man, you Listen, you cannot control anything in life but yourself. That's why I think the verse says, I walk. I can't make anybody walk but myself. I can't make people walk in a grocery store. I can't make, make them walk at Walmart. I can't make them walk at the office. I can't wa- make them walk in my family. I can't make them walk in my neighborhood. I can't make anybody walk. But I can make myself walk instead of my instead of my fears controlling me. I'm I'm gonna control my fears by what I know. And the problem is this is there are valleys in life and they're gonna happen to you. See, Jesus was up front about that. Jesus told us in this world, you're gonna have trouble. In this world, you're going to have valleys. But take heart, what? But take heart, I have overcome the world. You know what gets us through? What we know gets us through. What we know gets us through the valleys. It's just understanding who God is and what we know about God. See, what we know about God is what gets us through the valleys. See, if we're honest, valleys never come at a good time. Valleys always come at a worse time. I mean, do you ever... I mean, you ever notice now where, where people are like like talking about this and say well the coronavirus and the pandemic that we're undering under it just hasn't come at a good time well when's a good time I mean, when is have you ever noticed valleys never coming at a good time you ever notice valleys just kind of happen i mean that's the problem with valleys you can't you can't schedule them you can't predict them you can't plan them I mean, with this valley, for us, it just seemed like it came all at once. It came at a, uh, in, in, at a, in an instant or in sudden. Have you noticed that a good day can turn into a bad day? A phone call, a letter, a routine doctor's checkup, a freak accident. Man, when you look at this valleys, valleys can just happen. And, man, when you look at this valleys, listen, no listen, nobody... Nobody is immune from a valley. No one is insulated from pain. No one is insulated from loss. No one is insulated from hurt. Nobody skates through life with a problem-free life. Nobody skates through life without going through a valley. Everybody has problems, and that's easy for us to understand now because this valley, it's affected everybody, no matter who you are rich or poor or educated, uneducated, blue-collar, white-collar, where you live, it it affects all of us. I mean, a lot of us. We took for granted some things just two weeks ago. The stock market and consumer confidence, the employment rate, national health, GDP growth. But one thing, One thing that has never changed, one thing that hasn't changed, one thing that will never change, God has not changed. God cannot and will not fall off his throne. God is in control, God can be trusted. And so that's why when we go through these valleys that's why it's so important for us to understand that we just we just trust him. See valleys valleys are unpredictable, right? But I'm telling you God is not. What we know gets us through. What we know about God gets us through the valleys. See the valleys remind me and I hope they remind you that I listen, I cannot control what happens to me. But I can t- control how I walk. I can control how I respond. And sometimes when we walk through this, it is time for us to just like to learn to walk through a situation. I mean, you've already, write the pledge. Remember we started this out? You've already resigned as manager, controller of the universe. You've acknowledged that he is God then you are not. Be still and know that I am God. And I love that next line. I will be exalted over the nations. God is still in control. And God still has a plan, just like Habakkuk was confused about his plan. And God said, just, just trust me. And you, listen, you're not walking through the valley. If you're spending all of your time and all of your energy trying to change the valley or control the situation, all you and I can do is walk through the valley. Karen and I had been on a 21-day fast, and, and we, did a, we did a media fast. And, um, and so I, I, so we, we, this kind of surprised us because we didn't know a lot about this until I went to Walmart to pick up some things and I looked down the toilet paper aisle and it's like, it's empty. And so I, I text her and it says, you're not going to believe this. They're like sold out of Walmart. Of, they're sold out of toilet paper at Walmart. And I went to another place and the same thing there and I says, you know what? I might need to glance at the internet and just see what's going on. Karen will tell you this a little bit of my attitude changed when I became aware of the circumstances you're not walking through a valley you're spending all your time and your energy trying to change the valley trying to change the situation yes we need to be prudent. Yes, we need, to, we need to think about some things. But listen, can I just tell you, when you and I go through a valley, it doesn't mean you're an evil human being. It means you're a human being. The Bible is just very clear. Good things happen to bad people, and sometimes bad things happen to good people. And valley, Listen, valleys are impartial. That's another thing about a valley. Valleys they are they're impartial. They don't care if you're good or bad. They're just they're just impartial. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. He says, So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the, the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. None of listen, none of us are exempt. None of us are exempt from problems. None of us are exempt from going through a valley. It's it's encouraging to me when you look at this valley, the valley of shadow of death, a, a valley has a, has a beginning and an end. Valleys are not, listen, valleys are not a permanent location. Over this fast, I've had a lot of extra time because we haven't been streaming any Netflix movies or, you know, so, social media and anything like that. And, and so I, I've read a lot of books. And so I started, once I realized what we're going through, I read several books on pandemics. Pandemics and how Christians, how the church should respond in the midst of a pandemic. And, and here's what I've learned about pandemics. You know what? All through history, all pandemics are not permanent. They're temporary. They have a beginning and they have an end. You can go all the way back to like one of the first pandemics, especially the way the Christians, the church responded, the pandemic, the plague in Roman times. And all of a sudden, it's when the church became the church and, and, and they began to love one another and and, and 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 minister to the community and minister to the people. And it was said, it was said over and over, the church was expanded greatly during that time. God used that time greatly in the life of the church. And it was said of the Christians that, that deeds of the Christians were known and glorified. I pray we as a church that we are the church and we understand what it means to be assembled. We understand what it means to love your neighbor as yourself to where it would be said of us when we come out of this, oh, and we will, that those Christians, they were known. They were known by their deeds, and they, they, they just they glorified God. They just glorified God. You see this issue. Pandemics and valleys are temporary. There's a beginning and the end. That leads me to the second principle is this. Remember, this is temporary. You have to come to the place. You just have to keep reminding yourself. I resolve to keep walking. I will walk. I will walk. And I will remember I remember that this is temporary, verse 4 again, we'll just see it, I mean I'm pulling all of these phrases out of this one verse, they're all right here, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, listen a valley is not something you and I stay in our entire life, it's something you go through, it's a circumstance, it's a situation, it it has a beginning and an end. Listen, when you're in a valley, I get it, I understand, because I've been there. And when you when you're in a valley, you can think that it's like a dead end, but I need to tell you, it is not. It is not a dead end. It's more like, it's more like a tunnel. There's like this beginning and there's this end. You go through the tunnel, and guess what? Eventually, you come out of it and back, listen, it's back into the light again. They don't, listen, they don't come in your life to stay. They come to pass. And I've gone through valleys of my life, and maybe you've lived long enough to where you've gone through valleys in your life, and you thought they would never end, and they did. That's so what Simon Peter is writing in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. He just simply writes these words. He says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And so he, he's honest and he just admits that sometimes we go, through, we go through valleys and sometimes we go through trials and sometimes we go through difficulty and, and sometimes it's rough and, and life can be tough. What he's saying is, is it only lasts for a little while. He begins talking about it's so interesting. We don't have enough time to go through that chapter. But he starts talking about there's this, this wonderful joy a, a ahead. He's talking about this issue of heaven you begin saying, you know what, in, in heaven, like, there's, there's no valleys. In heaven, there's no dark days. And in valleys, there's no hurt, there's no pain, there's no, no problems. And we may be harassed down here, and we may have some valleys down here. But guess what? One day, in heaven, you'll have no problems. In heaven, you'll have no dark days. In heavens, you'll, you'll have no valleys. And, and if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you're a follower of his... that's where you're headed that's where you're going and listen God is faithful and God is faithful he's faithful in the past he's faithful now and God will be faithful in the future and Jesus was very clear and he, he told us the way home and he told us the way to heaven and he says I am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father except through me the way home is Jesus in case you're wondering the way home is a relationship with him and if you do not, listen, if you do not know him as your personal Lord and Savior, this would be a wonderful opportunity for you to accept him. Maybe the purpose behind this in your life is to bring you to him, into a relationship with him. Here, here's, what, here's what Paul said about this issue of, of difficulty and valleys and some, and some other things. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, he simply says this, For we walk. You see that word again, right? Walk. I mean, you just look at this, for we walk by faith, not by sight. The reason is, guess what? Sight can give us some fear. Sight can give us some concerns. And when you look at this word, when you look at this word faith, it's almost a synonym for hope. Paul is, Paul is talking about fixing your eyes on what is unseen not what is seen and that's where that's where hope is built that's where hope is developed in your life living by faith and not by sights means simply this we walk and we walk with god he says second corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen they're 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 eternal in other words these problems, they won't last. These problems compared to eternity, compared to heaven, they're short. But he said there is. There is an eternal glory that awaits. And listen, God has a reason. God has a reason. We may not understand it. We may not even like it. But he has a reason for taking us through valleys. And we, listen, we, when we go through a valley, just like Habakkuk learned, and others have learned in Scripture, and we have learned, when we go through a valley... We have to trust him, know that he has a plan, that he'll be exalted over the nations, and that he has a reason behind it. Simon Peter goes on, First Peter chapter 1, verse 7. He said that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than, more precious than gold, that, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And you may be temporarily harassed down here, and you may have problems, and you may have trials of all kinds, and you may have valleys. There's all kinds of different valleys, right? This may not be just one valley, right? It can, it can seem like multiple valleys, whether it's a financial valley, where it's a relational valley, whether it's an emotional valley, whether it's a health valley. There's all different kinds of valleys. There's all different kinds of trials. Listen, we as Christians, we love to talk about mountaintop experiences. But you don't build your faith on the mountaintop. You build your faith in the valleys of life. Sometimes it's in the valley. You and I come face to face with like this dark valley. And it pushes us to our knees. It pushes us to prayer. It pushes us to reliance on him. Because some of the things that we had once trusted have toppled and and they fell. Faith is what I've learned. Faith is like faith is built in a valley. Faith is strengthened in a valley. And when you don't feel like serving and trusting God and praising God, I'm telling you, that's where your faith is tested. Not in the good times of life, but in the valleys of life. And just as Pastor Dwayne had said, we have heard so many unbelievable stories how you have risen up and you are the church, and, and you know what it is to love your neighbor as yourself as you serve one another, you minister to one another in these times. The third thing is this, is you're go- if you're going to walk through this, You not only have to resolve to keep walking and you you remember that these are temporary, but the third thing is this, is that you have to refuse to be discouraged. Man, this is hard work, but you have to refuse to be discouraged. Verse 4 again, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, I will, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. And see, David is saying this about the Christian who puts their faith in God, that even though, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of, of death, it's interesting, it says, it says I walk. Not that I, I run through it. Not that I panic through it. Not that I panic and run the other way. To walk means to do something calmly. Walk means to do something calmly and deliberately. It means to take steps through the valley. And David says, I'm not going to fear. And I'm not going to be afraid. And I'm going to walk calmly through the valley. Here's what I've learned about valleys, and we know this with this one. You can't go around the valley. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. You can only go through it. And the only way to go through it is with him. The only way to go through it is to understand who he is. What we know gets us through. What we know about him gets us through. What we know about him and who he is, and he doesn't change. And that's why David goes on and says, I will fear no evil. See, when you look at that statement, I will fear no evil. I mean, will... Implies a choice. It implies an act of volition, a decision. I will not be afraid. I will not fear. Discouragement in life, always a choice. You don't have to choose to be discouraged. But you're choosing to be discouraged when you think discouraging thoughts don't let listen do not let the weeds of discouragement come up in your life and choke out faith. Listen when when the weeds of discouragement take root in your life those weeds will they will grow up and they will choke out faith. They will choke out trust. See when you and I start choosing to think negatively to dwell on discouraging thoughts you're listen. you're choosing not to look at christ and uh, listen all the positive things you're looking at all the negatives and that's a choice and listen you 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 can choose to change this happened to us the the other night i it was like allergy season for me and and i and i i needed some over-the-counter allergy medicine and and i understand you know the 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 the, um most of it's been sold out, and we went, to, we went to the store, and I said, you know what? We'll just go over there, and we'll check. And I says, I doubt there's any there. It's probably all sold out. And I, and, and, and I had some discouraging thoughts, and I had some negative thoughts. And so we walk over there, and we look down the aisle. There's this long aisle, that, that with like barren, and yet there's one box left on the whole aisle of the exact meds that I needed. And God whispered to me, it was just like He whispered to me and says, "I'll take care of you. I'll, I'll take care of you. How do we choose not to be discouraged? We choose not to be discouraged by focusing on what, on God's power, on God's provision, on what God will do. And you can t- listen, we know this right. You can take two identical people and put them in the same situation. The same chaos, the same valley, the same tragedy, tragedy the same crisis, and one of them's going to be blown away by it, and the other one's actually going to be strengthened by it. One of them's going to fall apart, and one of them's going to be strengthened through it. The difference is is what they're, what they're focusing on. And you need to focus can I just tell you? you need to focus not on your circumstance, but on Christ not not on the situation but the savior not on not on your problem but on God's power colossians 1:11 says may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance patience and joy listen in valleys here's what i've learned in a valley you need a power source bigger than yourself If you think you're going to make it through a valley by your own strength, by your own power, forget it. You're not going to. You don't have enough power to handle all the things that are going to hit you in life. And listen, you need a power source bigger than yourself. That's why I I just don't know. I don't know how somebody walks through life without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Knowing they are totally forgiven. Forgiven deeply loved in him, that he is with them, that he's promised that I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you, that I'll walk with you. The fourth and the last thing about this issue of walking through a valley and not fearing evil is you have to remember that God is with me. You have to come to the place and you have to remind yourself that God is with you. Verse 4, again, it says... (coughs) Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David is making a declaration. David is making a bold statement. And he is saying you are with me. You are with me. Every step. Remember, we started this out. I will walk. I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I will fear no evil. Why? For you. You are with me every step, every second, every moment. Listen, God not only promises his power in the valley, he promises his presence. You will, listen, you will never go through a valley by yourself. You will never go through a dark valley alone. God says over and over and over in his word, I will will be with you. Here, here's the crazy thing about just the the about the 23rd psalm and if i was teaching through the whole psalm we would see it and i may as we walk through this but in verse four in the 23rd psalm all of a sudden there's a strategic change in in language the first part of the, the psalm all the pronouns are in third person like he, he talks he talks about god he leads me beside still waters he he guides me into green pastures. He, he restores my soul. And so David's talking about God. And then you get to verse 4, and like the pronouns change, and they, say they change to second-person pronouns. He's, he, he's no longer talking about God. He's talking to God. You are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. See, valleys... Bring us face to faith with God. All of a sudden, the ultimate becomes the intimate. When I'm, Listen, when I'm going through a valley, I don't so much want to talk about God, I want to talk to God. I want to know. I want to know he's with me. I want to know his presence. I want to know he's walking with me. See, I want to hear from God. I want to sense and feel his presence. I want to know that he's here. Isn't any believer that's walked through a valley will tell you? It's in the valleys, in some of their valleys, it's those times that they felt the closest to God. He will never be closer to you than when you're in a valley. And see, David reminds himself and says, it's your rod and your staff that comfort me. The rod and the staff, and we don't have time to explain exactly what they were, but they were two basic tools that a shepherd would use to protect and to guide the sheep. And he's saying, God is, God's protecting you. God is defending you. They'd use it to defend the sheep. He's bringing you closer to him. Your staff comforts me, is what he said. A staff was like a long stick with a, with a, with a, with a hook on the end. And the shepherd uses it as a staff and he uses it to guide and he uses it to comfort. He would use the staff to draw the sheep closer to him. He would use the hook to pick them up uh, when they were down or when they were harmed or they were hurting. He uses them to to bring the sheep closer to him. He also used the the staff to, to guide them and when they would go through a valley, as the picture of you, don't go through a valley alone. And God was using his staff to protect and to guide and listen when you go through a valley if we're honest the scary parts of the valley are the shadow in the darkness you just see the the shadows on on the wall of the valley and when you're going through the canyon and you're thinking how am I going to make it and David says when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and just real quickly it's just so interesting to me I hope you caught that he didn't say I walked through the valley of death he said I walked through the valley of the shadow of death we're experiencing right now those shadow moments I walked through the valley of the shadow of death and I will fear no evil for you are with me we know this about darkness darkness is the absence of light and for there to be shadows, right? There has to be the presence of light. David knew God was with him because of the, because of the light. He's saying, I knew God was with me because I could, I could feel his presence. When you're going through a dark valley in life, you may think the sun has stopped shining, God is absent, I'm all alone, and you may not be able to see it all. And you may think you're in total darkness, but I'm just here to tell you tonight, anytime there is a shadow, there means there, it means that there is a light somewhere. Here's what I've learned about this. You have to learn, when you walk through a valley, to turn your back on the shadow and face the light. When you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and you turn your back on the shadow and you focus on the light. When you come to that place and you have those dark days and you have those difficult times in your life. When you start to get afraid because of the shadow and the dark valleys of life. You turn your back on the shadow and you look directly into the light. And you know what happens? The shadow is no longer in front of you. It is behind you. You're looking at the light. You have turned your back on the shadow, and the shadow now begins to fall behind you. That's where faith is built. That's where trust is built. What gets us through is what we know. And that's why Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And when you look at him, you cannot help but be afraid because all of the shadows are around you. All of the shadows fall behind you. Here's the interesting thing is I've been reading a lot of books about pandemics. Pandemic and pandemic is simply an event that affects a large area, a region, uh, a state, a country, a world. It's an, it's an event that takes place that affects, that affects a large area. Well, why don't we do this as Christians? Why don't we start a pandemic of faith? Why don't we start a pandemic of prayer? Why don't we start a pandemic of love your neighbor as yourself? Why don't we start a pandemic of just simply be the church? May it be said of us, their deeds were known by everyone and they glorified God. That's how believers walk through this time. That's how Christians are to respond to valleys. That's how Christians are to respond to a pandemic. See the problem with the coronavirus and and what we're dealing with is it seems like it, it's a shifting shadow. And it, it seems like it changes every hour. And you're trying to find the new normal. Well, let me tell you something that is not going to change. Deuteronomy eight, and it says this. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Man, is fear controlling you or is faith? Are you you staring at the shadow, and they're before you, and it's scary. Are you staring into the light, and the shadows have fallen behind you? I'm just telling you. Some of you just need to accept him. Some of you just need to understand that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. Except through him and a relationship with him. We would love to see you accept him and just simply pray a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask that you come into my life. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you came to this life fully God and fully man. You lived a perfect, sinless life and you went to the cross on my behalf and you were crucified. You're buried and and on the third day you rose again for the forgiveness of my sin, Lord. For the, to the very best of my ability, I'm asking you to forgive me. Come into my life and I want to start walking with you. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, would you would you communicate to us? You can email us at email us at fellowshiptherockies.org and just shoot us an email. And we would we would love to help you, we would love to communicate with you. And then I would normally we do a in just a few minutes I'm gonna close in prayer. Normally we do a prayer response, but I want I want to talk to you as your pastor. I have I've been your pastor for 25 years. And we've we've walked through a lot together. We've had some fantastic mountaintop experiences, and we've walked through some valleys and we have watched, watched God be faithful on the mountaintops, and we have watched him in the valleys be faithful. And so, these last 25 years, we have, we have walked through some great stuff together, and then we've walked through some tough stuff together. And we have seen God be faithful. And it may, be, it may seem like everything's changing around you. And I just want to help you understand what is not going to change in these times. We're going to continue. We're going to continue to live out our va- our vision in these times. We're, we still want to see people encouraged and forgiven, set free, empowered, and serving the way God designed them. And so I have come up, because I, I have come up with a fellowship five, five promises I'll make to you, five promises that you can count on that you just know is just not going to change. And so let me give those to you real quickly, and then I'm going to, I'm going to ask you for, three, for a couple of things as well. The first one is this. We're going to walk through this crisis together. God is going to walk with you, but guess what? We're going to walk with you as well. And we're going to communicate to you by email and text and Facebook and Zoom mini- meetings and Instagram. I mean, we're like really prepared for this. Uh, we have taught the young people to use radios and the older people to use Instagram. I mean, we're like, we're like ready for anything. I mean, this last week, we had a team of ladies that, made, that, that called 365 of our senior citizens, people 65 years and older, and started talking to them and asked them about their needs and, and prayed with them, and, and uh, in some cases, food was delivered, meals were delivered. Uh, we, we, had, we had one elderly lady call in and say, you know what? I, I need the prayer, prayer list. I'm on the 21-day prayer and fasting, and, and I need the prayer list. And she says, I don't have an Internet, and I don't have a, a, a computer, and I don't have email. And so our receptionist dictated the, the prayer list to her, read it over the phone. As this lady took needs, uh, took took notes. We're we're already meeting needs. If you if you need something, you email us. Email us at fellowshipoftherockies.org. The first thing is this. Guess what? We're going to walk through this crisis together. We've been doing this for 25 years together, and we're going to continue to do it together. The other thing is this: is we're going to help you and your family stay spiritually healthy. We're going to help you and your family stay spiritually healthy. There's a verse that God has really laid on my heart. Third John, verse 2, it says this, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. And as a result of that, we're going to continue to offer worship services where two or three are gathered, not more than 10 right now. There I am also. It's not out of, out of fear that we worship out of, online, uh, but out of love. Love for the elderly, love for our community, love for our neighbor, I'm going to start a fellowship minute. I'm going to put that on Facebook and in some in our website and some other places. Just a one-minute devotional thought, just shot right from my phone. And then we're going to do that daily, Wednesday at eight a.m. David and I are going to join together, Facebook Live, and he's going to do a little bit of worship, and I'm going to teach a devotional, and uh, and you can interact with us. Uh, we still have youth ministry going on and children's ministry. We're using the technology that we have. We have a teacher that's going to come in and film like an art session for, for the kids. And so life groups are still happening and Bible studies, and they all look different. They're meeting over Zoom. And in fact is, our life group, the life group that Karen and I are in, uh, we're meeting on Zoom on, on, on Tuesday. And so we're, we're still connecting. And so here's another one. We're going to continue to offer worship services. Depending on the guidelines that we're given in this time, they may look different. On the weekends, it may be David and me in my living room. I don't know what kind of guidelines we're going to have, but we're going to con- listen. We are going to continue to offer worship services. We got a, we got Pastor Eli right now, Facebook Live, and he is he is asking for prayer requests and ministering to people. We're going to look at how we can do that more. Here here's another promise. We will serve you if you get sick. Again, we've been doing this for 25 years. And we have a lot of practice at it. I mean, we're making a, if you, we will serve you if you get sick. I mean, we will take care of you. The, the last one is this, and we will help you serve others. We should not only wash our hands, but we should be willing to wash the feet and serve those in need. And so we're resource ministry leaders. We're going to resource uh, life group leaders and to, to better serve you. And life group leaders, we're hearing stories now of, of them meeting needs in their group and taking care of one another and taking food and meds and groceries to, to people in their group. Our GO team is trained and is ready to deliver food and deliver meds if that's what it, if that's what it takes. And so those are the five promises that I can make to you. And then just, just a few things that I just need from you. I need your emergency contact information. I cannot, if I, I cannot connect with you if I don't have that information. If Fellowship of the Rockies is your church home and we don't have that information, then just shoot us an e- email. Email us at fellowshipoftherockies.org. Give us your email address, your address, your, your mobile phone. And so we need that. If you would like to connect with a life group now, if you're going through this and you realize that church is more than just happens on the weekend and you need to connect with a life group, you need to connect with a Bible study, we would love to help you. Again, send us an email. Email us at fellowshipoftherockies.org and Pastor Dwayne will contact you and that may look different depending on the season that we're in. And the last thing that I, that I need from you is, is I need you to sign up for online giving. Seventy percent of our members are already doing that. And so we have counseled meeting together out of love for one another. But let's keep giving for the same reason. We're in the process of adjusting budgets and moving everything to ministry and moving everything to meet needs. And and so we would just ask that during this time, fact is today in a news conference, Vice President Pence mentioned the local church and said it's just so important that people continue to give to the local church so that they can meet needs and and build that gap that other agencies can't do. If you're currently giving to the faith fund, um, building fund, then we would ask for a season, would you direct that money to our general fund so that we can meet needs and we can resource people. Listen, we're going to do this together. I love you. It's an honor and a privilege to have been your pastor for 25 years. And you know what? We're going to walk through this crisis together. And we're going to see God do some amazing things. As we close, let me pray for you. Father, we love you. And Father, we thank you for today. And Lord, I just thank you for, for this church that is assembled all over this state. And Father, I ask that we'd be able to sense your presence, that we would know that you are with us, That, Father, you'd calm our fears, you'd calm our nerves. That, Father, we'd be able to walk to the valley of the shadow of death because you are with us and because your rod and your staff comfort us. May we rise up and be the church. May we be the hands and feet of Jesus. May it be said of us when we come out of this that those Christians were known not only by their deeds, but the way that they glorified the Father. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.